The light shines in the darkness, and in this world, the darkness deepens, a darkness you can feel. The redeemed do not fear the darkness, for the darkness is the candle's best friend. The deeper the darkness, the more effective the candle. All things work together for our good, especially the darkness. Romans 8:28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The born again do not wring their hands and fret over the darkness, for the excellent contrast is high and lifted up for the world to see. The difference between the Christ-created life of life and life more abundantly is starkly contrasted with the dark confusion, bondages, and hopelessness of this fallen world. We are free from what binds them, even all the filthiness of the flesh. How marvelous is John 8.36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. One day soon, God said, man said, will extend the last invitation to the sons and daughters of Adam to become sons and daughters of God. All must understand that salvation is a limited time offer. The window of opportunity is closing. Dear visitor, have you been born again? Born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God, this time as a child of God? In a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, everything changes today. Today, all your sins and your shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be clean. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken, every single one. You will be free. Today, you will be born a second time. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God said, 1 John chapter 3, 7 through 10, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. God said, Psalms 107.2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Man said, these brainwashed Christians don't fit into our enlightened LGBTQ1234 society. They're still trapped in the dark ages. Barbarians. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1154. They will again stand and defend the marvelous supernatural inerrancy of God's majority text, Holy Bible. All of these features are 
archived here in text and streaming audio for the purposes of building up the faith and reconciling the lost unto God by Jesus Christ the Lord. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's face shine upon you with joy and peace. This short series addresses the utter primacy of words. This world is in a deadly word dilemma, and the only solution, the word fixer, are the words of the Creator God. But there's a problem. The words of the Creator God have been entirely rejected by the so-called wisest amongst us. These words have been maligned, ridiculed, discredited, and expunged from daily dialogue. As a result, the world at large is in a hopeless state. Its only solution, the words of God, are not allowed. But be assured that God always has a remnant, those who hear His words and see the light. Many of you attending this feature have not visited the first two articles. We recommend that you start from the beginning of the series. Following, you'll find an abbreviated review of Feature 1 and Feature 2, but not the full extent of what has been penned. Go slow. This is serious business. God said, man said, the ultimate primacy of words. Words make things. The world has a word dilemma. In Feature 1, amazing facts were listed that testify that all things are made by and held together by words, God's words. John 1, 1 declares, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Psalms 33, 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. If it is entirely a word issue, then there should be proof everywhere, and there certainly is. From day one of creation to the great white throne judgment and beyond, it is entirely, entirely a word issue. Scientists were shocked when they discovered DNA, which houses the building instructions for life. The instructions are given using a four-letter alphabet, structured into words, sentences, paragraphs, chapters, and books. Science is able to read this book they call the Book of Life. Imagine, this DNA gives the instructions to build organs, body systems, and the parts to acquire and utilize the necessary life-building materials such as oxygen, water, and dirt-based foods, all of which was spoken into existence out of that which is invisible by God's words. Romans 1 verse 20. The following excerpt is from Dr. Michael Gillen's book, Believing is Seeing. We scientists believe the universe is pushed and pulled by four different forces. The strongest one, aptly named the strong force, holds together atomic nuclei the way corn syrup holds together popcorn balls. The strong force is at the very core of our physical being. It's what holds us together. Without it, poof, we disintegrate and blow away like dust in the wind. And that's not all. The strong force is a profound mystery. It originates deep within atomic nuclei, out of sight, and what we call quarks, the invisible and enigmatic components of protons and neutrons. No one's ever seen a quark, and if QCD is correct, no one ever will. Using the most powerful particle ac uh, accelerators in the world, we bombarded the heck out of atomic nuclei in hopes of 
busting loose a cork, but with no luck. End of quote. Without the mysterious strong force, we would all go poof and simply disappear. The Bible, as you should certainly expect, solves the profound mystery of the strong force. 2,000 years ago, the following verses were penned. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. All things are held together by God's invisible words. It is entirely a word issue. The first law of thermodynamics, also known as the law of conservation, states that matter cannot be created or destroyed. It must always remain constant. Science now knows that energy, photons from sun, creates all matter. They further theorize that as a result of insights into quantum consciousness, it will soon be proven that energy itself is created by knowledgeable words of intent. When science arrives at their proof, they will be faced with our truths. Number one, God is light. First John chapter 1, verse 5, He is the energy and power of creation. And number two, God is the Word, John 1, 1. He's the Word of knowledge and intent, and it precedes light, even as scientists have theorized. Genesis 1, 3, And God said, Let there be light. There was light. God's words of intent precede light. Words, information, it's important to note, are not energy or matter. They are their own separate and dominant category. The utter primacy of words cannot be denied. In the first feature, you met my grandfather, who has been gone from this earth for over 80 years. He has returned to the earth that was spoken into existence by God's words. His wife, my grandmother, and all his sons and daughters have returned to the dust. His vehicle has returned to the dirt along with his clothing, his possessions, and even his house. All that is left of my grandfather here on this earth is his death certificate, a copy of which I have in my desk drawer. My grandfather is now a Word document, and all those who want associated with him are also Word documents. God's mighty champion, Joshua, led the children of Israel across the river Jordan into the famed Battle of Jericho and onward to a long list of victories in the conquest of the land of Canaan. These conquests all happened about 3,500 years ago. Joshua, his wife, their children, even his whole army have all returned to the dirt, a dirt that was spoken into existence by God's words, all that remains 
is a Word document, a book in the Bible called Joshua. If the Lord tarries, all of us will be reduced to a Word document. But surely be advised that all the Word documents from the beginning of time will rise again at a place called the Great White Throne Judgment. All will stand to give an account. You will find the next five verses both amazing and sobering. Revelations twenty eleven through 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We and our words will stand before God, Matthew twelve thirty six and 37. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account, therefore, in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned." It's truly astounding. Just as my grandfather and Joshua, you and I, will be reduced to word documents, the heavens and the earth, both spoken into existence by God in Genesis chapter 1, will be reduced to a word document. Believe it. Hebrews 1, 10 through 12. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest and they shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Part two of this series is subtitled Words Make Things. The fields of psychology and medicine confirm. The headline blared, For the obsessed, the mind can fix the brain. Newsweek broke this story in 1996, which offered per, a persuasive evidence that the mind can change the brain. An excerpt follows. But last week, Schwartz and four UCLA colleagues reported in archives of general psychiatry that the mind can be at least as powerful as medicine when it comes to remodeling the brain. Behavioral modification, changing the way patients act, and cognitive therapy, changing how they think, can alter the biology of their brains. On April 8, 2002, U.S. News & World Report featured an article titled, Prescription Power. A sentence from that report follows. Yet some psychologists don't want to prescribe. They cite evidence showing their talking therapy is as effective as drugs. In the September-October 2013 issue, Psychology Today reports that word therapy outperforms drugs in patients with borderline personality disorder. Dr. Donald Colbert's book, Deadly Emotions, refers to work conducted by Dr. Candace Pert. Dr. Pert demonstrates 
how negative thoughts such as fear, anger, or depression affect the physical body. Two sentences from the report follow. The brain talks to the immune cells all over the body, and in turn, the immune system cells communicate back to the brain using the messengers called neuropeptides. If your brain interprets physical perceptions as anger, fear, or depression, every immune cell of your body knows that interpretation very quickly. End of quote. Dr. Caroline Leaf wrote the following in her book, Switch on Your Brain. Research shows that 75 to 98 percent of mental, physical, and behavioral illnesses comes from one's thought life. This staggering and eye-opening statistic means only 2 to 25 percent of mental and physical illnesses come from the environment and genes. Everyday scientists are discovering the precise pathways by which changes in human consciousness produce changes in our brains and bodies, end of quotes. The primacy of words cannot be denied. It is not possible to exaggerate the primacy of words. The six-page spread in the March 2023 issue of Scientific American titled A Talking Cure for Psychosis addresses the frustration clinicians are dealing with regarding schizophrenia. One of the new ways to treat schizophrenia, word therapy, is moving to the front of the conversation. Paragraphs from the Scientific American feature were lifted for your review in feature two, but the important part for our recap purpose is in the title, A Talking Cure for Psychosis. Psychology is talking word therapy. In the camp of the born again, we are talking word therapy that is literally, literally, I say, out of this world. Our word therapy is the very creation power of God, and those who embrace his words have life and life more abundantly. It is never more than a word issue, absolutely never. Feature 2 also addresses word issues seen in the placebo and nocebo effects, as well as psychosomatic disorders, which affect 5 to 7% of the population. All of these are entirely word issues. A final excerpt from last week's feature. Is God's word true? The strange grouping of words that defines him also defines us. The world is experiencing a word dilemma and is coming apart at the seams. It will only worsen. The end is near, but the beauty for the blood body is that we speak a new language complete with new functional, empowering, and eternal words. Get ready to practice using God's functional, empowering, and eternal words. We are going to talk Holy Ghost words of intent, and things will happen. God's Word teaches mind transformation through brainwashing before going on to mind control. At the place Jesus calls born again, the process of total renewal begins, and as you should expect, it is entirely a word issue. Romans 12, 1 and 2 calls it transformation. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This transformation process that begins at born again starts with and proceeds with the renewing of the mind. Even the physical brain changes form what neuroscience knows as neuroplasticity. Transformed? Yes. And this transformation includes your entire spiritual and physical nomenclature. The mind and the brain are not the same. No more than operational software and the computer are the same. Both are designed to interface, to work together, but both are separate and apart. The mind renewal and transformation process that begins at the moment of salvation continues on through the washing of water by the Word, which is administered by the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 5:25 through 27 denotes the process by which Christ purifies his church. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Through Holy Ghost washing, the brain is being purged of dark thoughts and memories that reside there and is being replaced with the mind of Christ. The mind renewal process is in full motion from redemption to that time when we see Christ face to face and we will be like him. The redeemed are called unto the primacy of God's words and shown how to use these words to control the dialogue between their ears. Imagine the power described in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. All we need to entirely control the ground between our ears is God's Word mixed with our childlike faith. Pretty cool, don't you think? Not scholarship, but childlike ship. Just as we cannot create energy or matter, we cannot create words or thoughts which are themselves nothing but silent words. We cannot create words or thoughts, but we must interface with them. Satan, leader of the camp of evil, is its ultimate word master. He surely knows the primacy of words. Second Corinthians 2.11 warns us not to be ignorant of his devices, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The devil is an imposter. Second Corinthians 11.14, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He is also a master of appearing first person between your ears, pretending he is you. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ at the age of nine. My entire family, my father, mother, my older sister, and my brother, went forth at a Catherine Coleman crusade in Youngstown, Ohio, and gave our hearts to Christ. Salvation was so powerful and so real. Our entire family was baptized by Sister Coleman and Brady's Run Lake in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. We were not as yet baptized in the Holy Ghost as they were on the day of Pentecost. In those days of the 1950s, 
the understanding regarding the baptism of the Holy Ghost was dear indeed. In my experience in those days, about 5% of the full gospel ranks were spirit-filled, with 95% were not. From the 1960s on, God began to open the eyes of the church, and today in the full gospel ranks, you'll find it flipped. 95% spirit-filled and 5% not. I was growing and abounding in the faith until I got to around 12 years old when Satan took advantage of me. I began to enter manhood, and new thoughts I had never before experienced or invited came knocking. They were your typical bad sexual thoughts that entered my mind. Keep in mind, just as a matter, a matter and energy cannot be created, neither can thoughts be created. The thoughts that were confronting me have been thought billions of times. They were not my thoughts, but I didn't know it at the time. The thoughts were followed by condemnation, Satan condemning me for his dirty thoughts. I was in turmoil. How could I possibly call myself a Christian if I were thinking such ungodly thoughts? I never spoke to anyone about my suffering, for such subjects were not spoken of aloud. This is shameful, saints. These issues must be addressed by family and church with young Christians before Satan takes the lectern's first person. I fell fast and hard and served the devil for eleven dark years, but it didn't have to be that way. First Thessalonians 4.4 4, That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. If I don't possess my vessel in sanctification and honor, Satan will. Understanding I do not create thoughts and that Satan's first person impersonation is not me changes the field of battle. The next Holy Ghost revelation will totally destroy Satan's stronghold and it is entirely a word issue. 1 John chapter 3, 7 through 10. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Let's hear verse 9 again. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. When we are born again, now sons and daughters of God, his seed dwells in us, and the new creature in me cannot sin. If sin arises, it won't be from the seed of righteousness, but from one's carnal nature that has been permitted to arise. We are commanded not to sin, but if one is guilty in a matter, he or she has an advocate to stand on their behalf, and that advocate is Jesus Christ himself. First John 2, 1 and 2, My little children, these things write unto that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. A common phrase heard among some Christians is, we're all sinners. Be careful not to link yourself to the devil's company with such words. First Peter four seventeen and 18 
For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of Christ? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? We are not sinners any longer. If all your sins have been washed away by Christ's cleansing blood, and you are seeking God with your might, you are in a perfect and sinless state. You can boldly proclaim, I am a sinless child of God. This is Holy Ghost Word Therapy. Let's start talking. Repeat after me. Are you ready? Here we go. I am a sinless child of God. Say it again. I am a sinless child of God. I'm going about my business in a perfect and sinless state, and a bad grouping of bad grouping of words arises, a thought I might have been accustomed to having prior to my salvation. Remember, we do not create energy or matter, and likewise, we do not create words or thoughts. We do, however, decide whether or not to participate. The thought came first person as though it were mine. It was not mine. Let's practice Holy Ghost word-washing therapy. Suppose the issue is a lustful thought. First, I must recognize that the thought is not mine. I simply say to the imposter, I am a sinless child of God, and I do not think lustful thoughts. Get thee behind me in Jesus' name. The imposter will flee, and I will not experience even an ounce of guilt over the thought. Instead, I'll marvel at the victory. Suppose I am hit with a bitter thought against someone, presenting itself as coming from first person. Often a bitter thought uh, is justifiable in the natural world, but never in the spiritual world before God. I simply say to the imposter, I am a sinless child of God, and this is not my thought. Jesus said, love your enemies. Get thee behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. The imposter will flee, and I will not experience an ounce of guilt over the thought. Instead, I marvel at the victory. All thoughts contrary to the sinless state are handled in like fashion. Mind control is our ground, and when we exercise Holy Ghost word therapy, we are fully participating in the marvels of 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Possessing your vessel is totally and completely a word issue. Practice Holy Ghost word therapy. That's all there is. It's words, all right. The primacy of words. God said, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God said, 1 John 3, 7 through 10, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. 
Whosoever doeth not the righteous doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. God said Psalms one hundred seven verse two. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Man said, These brainwashed Christians don't fit into our enlightened LGBTQ one two three four society. They're still trapped in the dark ages. Barbarians. Now you have the record.